from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. Shalom and welcome, my friends, from here in Israel. Today, we're going to start a new five-part series about one of the most significant but often misunderstood Jewish observances, the Sabbath, or as we say in Hebrew, the Shabbat. One of my treasured childhood memories is standing at my mother's side as she would light the two Shabbat candles, two for the mother and father and three more, one for each of her children. In the moments it took her to light the candles and say the blessing, it felt like the world held its breath and then like a blooming flower transformed into another space and time, an otherworldly one. She would stand opposite the candles and I would lean in as she struck the match and put the flame to each candle atop her silver candlesticks. Then she would wave her hands over the flames and it looked like she was pulling or encouraging the glory of the Shabbat to come towards her. Next, she would lay her hands over her face as she recited the words or the blessing in Hebrew, and I would lean close to feel the Shabbat wash over me. Now, as the woman of the household, it's my turn. Every week as I light my Shabbat candles, I whisper the words, the same words that my mother says every Friday evening, the same words that my grandmother says, the same words that my great-grandmother and my great-great-grandmother said every single Friday to welcome in the Sabbath. Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech haolam asher kedishanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu lehadlik ner shel Shabbat. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by his commandments and has commanded us to kindle the light of the holy Shabbat. I'm so grateful for the blessings of the Shabbat that have transformed me and that continue to transform me and my family every single week. And so I want to share these extraordinary blessings with you and the amazing lessons of faith that the Shabbat, the Sabbath, has for both Christians and Jews alike. One of the keys to understanding the Sabbath is by exploring the two different ways that we are commanded in the Bible to keep this holy day of rest. We are all familiar with the Ten Commandments, of course, and where it mentions the Sabbath. But did you realize when the Ten Commandments are listed twice in the Bible, God gives us two different ways to observe the Sabbath? In Exodus, the first time the Ten Commandments were given to the children of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai, we're told to... Zachor et Yom HaShabbat. Remember the Sabbath. And then in Deuteronomy, as Moses reviews God's laws with the people before they were to enter the promised land, we're told to Shamor et Yom HaShabbat, to observe the Sabbath. Now, you can see that these are two different words. Remember the Sabbath in Exodus and observe the Sabbath in Deuteronomy. But rest assured, these are not different commandments, but actually two sides of the blessings that God wants us to receive from the Sabbath. 
Let's go into this a little bit deeper. Come with me. Let's start with a little bit of background about Shabbat and its significance in Jewish life. The English word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. The root word of Shabbat is Shavu, which means to dwell or to sit inside. And the rabbis teach us that Shabbat is one of the few commandments that one can fully immerse themselves inside. My father, Rabbi Yechiel Eckstein of Blessed Memory, showed me through his wonderful example how a person can immerse himself or herself in Shabbat in the way he remembered and observed this holy day. As the founder of a large nonprofit organization, of course, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, during the week, my father often left the house at five o'clock in the morning and would come back at seven or eight o'clock at night. We would see him during the week, but just to give us a kiss when we went to sleep. And even when he was home, it wasn't uncommon for him to have to send an email or take a phone call or be writing at his desk. He was so busy developing and starting this organization that even when he was with us at home, I could see that his mind was running wild with ideas. But Shabbat, one day a week, was totally different. On Shabbat, not only did we get 25 hours of access to my father, but also he was fully present during those hours. During the Sabbath, my father had nothing else on his mind. He didn't think about work. The only thing he thought about was being completely present with those around him, his family, his loved ones, and with God. He taught me what a blessing it is to separate myself from the world, to take one day a week, to really live in the moment and appreciate all the good that's around me. Watching my father pray on the Sabbath was different too. Whether he was leading his congregation in prayer in the synagogue or praying by himself in our backyard, he poured his heart out to his creator, to God, with complete focus on connecting to God. During the week, he would also pray, but it was fast and he just had to get through it so that he could get everything else done. On Shabbat, he actually stopped. The only thing to focus on was his prayer. By shutting off the rest of the world with all its distractions, just one day a week, my father gave us a taste of the world to come. Through remembering and observing the Sabbath, my father conveyed to my sisters and I this idea of connecting to those important values in your life, connecting to family, to one another, and connecting better to God. It's been a lesson that I've embraced in my own life and one that I pray my children will learn as well. The integral prayer of the Friday night service of Shabbat is a song called Lechadodi, which means, Come, my beloved. And it refers to the Shabbat as our bride and queen who we eagerly await all week. The song is a beautiful melody that the whole congregation sings together. As we sing Lechadodi, Come, my beloved, the congregation stands up together turns around to face the entrance of the synagogue and symbolically bows to welcome the Shabbat queen. Its very lyrics reference the need for God's children to observe and remember the Sabbath. And as we do that, we bow our head. We're saying, Lord, enter. Shabbat, the queen, enter. We want to receive you. 
Every Friday night we sing Shamor Vizachor. Do you remember those two words? Bedibur Echad, Hishmianu Elamiuchad, Adonai Echad Ushmo Echad Leshem Utiferet Betila, which means those two words that we start with. Observe and remember. In a single word, he caused us to hear the one and only Lord. God is one and his name is one for renown, for glory and in song. According to Jewish tradition, when God proclaimed the Ten Commandments, he actually spoke both words, remember and observe, at the same time, in order to teach us that we sanctify the Sabbath in both these ways. In our physical human capacity, we could only speak one word at a time. But of course, God is infinite. When he wanted us to learn about Shabbat, he wanted us to realize it's both of these, to remember and to observe. So let's look at these two words, remember and observe, in Hebrew, to discover their deeper meanings and what blessings they can teach us. In Exodus 20, 8 to 11, the first time the Ten Commandments are mentioned, this is what we read. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Here we have the Hebrew word zachor, which means remember. There actually are two Hebrew words for remembering, zachor and Pakad, and they have very different meanings and are used in the Bible for very different things. Zachor is always used in the Bible when we are remembering a covenant. For example, in Genesis 8 1, we read, But God remembered Vayiskor Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. Here we see that God remembered his covenant with Noah. But the word pakad is used when we need to remember something as the catalyst for an action. For example, in Genesis chapter 21, when God comes to visit Sarah, the word used is pakad because God did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son. This remembering is God's promise to Sarah. He's remembering that he made a promise. It was the catalyst that God decided to bless Sarah with a child. So Zachor is used to show us that we are remembering for the sake of remembering as a testimony for what happened as a covenant. So when we talk about Shabbat and we use the word Zachor to remember Shabbat, what exactly are we remembering? Our rabbis teach us that the main purpose of keeping the Sabbath is to remember that God is our creator. When God was done with creation, he sapped his creative activities and he rested on the seventh day. And so we do the same. Keeping the Sabbath by remembering is our testimony to the world that we believe this with all of our hearts, that God is our creator. In the desert, the Israelites did not really work because they received manna from heaven for their food. So the Sabbath had a very different purpose for them, more so than a needed day of rest. Remembering the Sabbath was their testimony 
that they believed in one creator and they believed he created everything. It was a covenant. That's why when the Ten Commandments were mentioned the first time here in Exodus, just as the Israelites were about to embark on their journey through the desert to the promised land, the idea of zachor, remember, is emphasized. It's the need for a covenant. So Shabbat testifies to the work of creation. A person who remembers the Shabbat, the Sabbath, testifies to the fact that he knows his limitations as a creature standing before the creator of the world. And by doing that, by recognizing that, we enter a covenant. I once saw an interview with an older man who was lovingly caring for his wife who had Alzheimer's. She didn't remember anything at the point of the interview. She didn't even know who he was. But that didn't stop him from coming to her nursing home every single day to visit with her and sit with her for hours. His wife couldn't even remember that he had come the day before. The interviewer appeared shocked that the man did this and asked him why he did this when his wife didn't even know who he was. Without missing a beat, the man looked at the interviewer and said, because I remember who she is. I think this is a really excellent story that I keep in my mind when thinking about God as our creator. Sometimes we can forget that he created us, but he never forgets us. Sometimes we can think that he's far from us, but he never is. Everything in this world was created for God to reveal himself to all of us. So every time we look outside and we see the flowers blooming or the trees dropping their leaves or the sun shining, it's another opportunity for us to appreciate and acknowledge another aspect of God as a creator. In remembering God as a creator, we demonstrate humility that it is God who runs the world, not us. God is the source of our success, not our work. In doing this, we realize God is never getting further away from us. It's us who maybe sometimes is getting further away from God. And how do we get closer to him? To look at his creation. In the Jewish faith, we also testify to God as our king by observing the laws of the Sabbath. Let's look what that means. The next time in the Bible that we read the Ten Commandments is in Deuteronomy after the Israelites have spent 40 years in the desert and they are about to enter the Promised Land. This is a few years after they got the Ten Commandments. So we read in chapter 5, 12 to 15, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The Hebrew written here is shamor, which means to observe or to guard the Sabbath day. We are commanded to guard the holiness of the Sabbath day. 
the Israelites needed to appreciate that Shabbat would provide them and their household with an opportunity to recharge their spiritual batteries to energize themselves for the week ahead. Therefore, God emphasized the side of Shabbat that we are to observe and guard the Sabbath through the prohibitions of working on that day, just as he had rested or stopped or had prohibitions from his creative work during the six days of creation. We guard the Shabbat so that it can become a truly spiritual encounter without distractions. And we do that by setting up boundaries around the day. And the one way we in the Jewish faith do that is by observing the various prohibitions of the day. Because if we don't have prohibitions, a Shabbat day might be holy, but it will look like any other day of the week. Here's the thing. If you're like me, your week looks something like this. All week long, I'm sending emails, texts, not just for work, but to arrange for my four wonderful kids' schedules. My husband and I have to get them to after-school activities, pick them up from the activities, drop them off at friends' houses, tutors' houses, youth groups, school. And this is while I'm running an organization and my husband's running a business. I know that many of you guys can sympathize with this. I once read a t-shirt that said, being a parent is saying, I'll have time for it later, repeatedly, until you die. I don't know about you, but that's not how I want to live my life. And that's what observing the Sabbath blesses us with. With the ability to separate from all of the outside noise in our lives and concentrate on the things that really matter. To disconnect our phones, our computers, all our electronics, and to sit and dwell inside the things that are really important, which are our family, our community, and God, do you really think that the news is that important, that emails are that important, that driving to the mall is that important? Of course you don't. But if we don't build up restrictions, then that's what our lives are going to be. So when the sun goes down on Friday, the Bible directs us to stop, to press pause on our busy lives and to relax, to rethink and to re set without all of that outside noise. When the sun sets, everything stops. We turn off our computers, the television, our phones. My children suddenly join me. We stand next to each other as we light the Shabbat candles. And suddenly, a peaceful atmosphere without any bings or tings or movies or radio or without any outside voices. Suddenly, that's what fills our home the silence of togetherness. Once Shabbat begins, there is nothing left to do but enjoy the silence, to be with family, to be with God, and to be with friends. I think you can see why the commandments of observing the Shabbat is a central pillar of Judaism. I also honestly believe that this commandment explains why Judaism is the oldest continuous religion it's because we guard the Shabbat, and the Shabbat preserves us. The noted Jewish philosopher Chad Ha'am once wrote, More than the Jews have kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath has kept the Jews. This reminds me of the story of how Shabbat literally saved the life of Rose Goldstein. 
She was one of the few workers who survived the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire of 1911 that killed 146 garment workers. Rose was born in Poland, the youngest of eight siblings. Her family all worked together to save money to send one of the siblings to America. In 1911, when Rose was 12, her family finally saved enough money. And being the youngest and probably the most likely to adapt, it was decided that she would be the one to travel to America. Before she left, her father told her to remember that God is watching over her at every step, and she should remember his laws and keep them well. Most important, he said, was to keep the laws of Shabbat, because it was through the Sabbath that God kept his children safe. The journey was long and hard, and when Rose finally made it to the New York Harbor at just 12 years old, she was greeted by her cousins who took her home and tried to show her the new American ways. Rose's relatives insisted that religion was outdated, and she didn't need to dress modestly, to keep kosher, or to remember the Sabbath. Rose tried hard to fit in, but she couldn't forget what her father had said to her. And when she started her first job at a sewing machine factory, she knew she couldn't work on Shabbat. So every Saturday, she would think of a new reason she couldn't come into work. Once, she had a toothache. Another time, a stomach issue. Her boss quickly realized what was happening and fired her for not working on Shabbat. Her New World cousins were very upset and insisted at her next job she must work on Shabbat. They would not tolerate a slacker living at their house. At the end of the first week at her new job, she left their house and headed for the factory, but she just couldn't go in. She thought of her father and all that he had taught her. So she decided to walk back and forth in the streets until the workday was over and she would figure out what to tell her boss the next day. She sang beautiful Shabbat songs to herself. She prayed with all of her heart. And at the end of the day, she headed back to her cousin's house, afraid that they would already know. When she walked through the door, her cousin screamed out excitedly, asking her how she was home. And she immediately told her the whole story. Rose was ashamed, and she was sure that she was going to ask her to leave. But she looked at her strangely and said that she must not have heard. Heard what? Rose said. Well, that there was an awful fire at the factory where she was supposed to be working. Of the hundreds of workers in the building, only 40 people survived. There was no way out. Many people even just jumped to their deaths. Rose's cousins were sure that Rose had perished. But they were so surprised to learn that because she had decided to keep the Sabbath, it had saved her life. Just as her father had said, the Shabbat had kept the Jews. It had kept her safe. By remembering and observing that God is our creator and that he provides for us, reminds us just how important we are to God. So we remember God's ordained day of rest by focusing on our relationship with him as our creator and spending time in worship and fellowship with family and others. We observe God's Sabbath by taking time out from our busy routines and setting boundaries around that day. 
In Exodus 31, 13, it is written, You must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Think about this verse for a second. By remembering God as our creator through observing his laws, we are also remembering what makes us holy. This is one of the biggest blessings of the Sabbath. God created us in his infinite wisdom. And by testifying to that, we are also testifying that we are here for a purpose. And that purpose and us is holy. This is so important for us to remember. This week, let's take some time to remember and observe that God is our king. Take time during the week to walk outside and observe God's beautiful creation. Thank him for all of the beautiful things in our world. Set boundaries around your family time this week and make it holy. Maybe you can share a meal together without any distractions, turning off your cell phones, the TV, and anything else that might distract you. Use that time. Use it wisely to truly connect with one another and share the things that are going on in your life. Lead by example if the others don't want to follow. Spend time with God, studying his word and sharing what you learn with your family. I think you will discover, as I do every Sabbath anew, the blessing of having this island in time, together with God and with family and with friends. Shavua Tov, my friends, and Shabbat Shalom. Have a wonderful week and a blessed Sabbath from here in the Holy Land. See you next week when we will discuss what it means to truly rest from our work. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.